It is Wednesday, the 1st of June, 2022, and in our series, Reflections on the Holy Quran, <coughs> this is broadcast number 320. <coughs> and today we will start looking at the words used in chapter 2, Al-Baqarah, verse 102 of the Holy Quran. So this is part 1 of that. It's a long verse and it will take perhaps 20 broadcasts to cover all the words. But uh, let's start. These broadcasts are brought to you by Laser, Lahore MDS School for Education in Islam. And it's a department of MDN Manishayate Islam of Lahore. Just to remind you that uh, the MDA Jamaat, the MD organization, was established by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Sahib of Qadian. And uh, he taught us that although other people say that a Prophet will come after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, this is incorrect because the Qur'an's says that the Holy Prophet was Khatamun Nabiyyin and the Holy Prophet explained that by saying La Nabiyyabad, there is no Prophet after me. So now no Prophet old or new can come. Hazrat Sab said that in accordance with the Hadith, he was the Mujaddid, one of them. There were many others before him. So he had come to defend Islam. And he said that uh, other Ahadis speak of the Messiah and Mahdi. And he was the Mujaddid who bore those titles of Messiah and uh, Mahdi. He also explained to Muslims that they are too hasty in calling each other heretics and kafirs and so on. The Holy Prophet said that if one reciter of the Kalima says to another reciter of the Kalima that you are not a Muslim, you are a heretic, 
then it's the person saying it who's the heretic. Just think about these words of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. <clears throat> and Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad taught that people say that some prophetic revelation is missing from the Holy Quran. And that some prophetic revelation which is in the Holy Quran is abrogated, cancelled. He said this can't be right because God says in the Holy Quran that I have revealed it and I'm a guardian over it. So how can something over which God is, Allah is keeping watch, have parts of it which are missing or have in it something which needs to be abrogated. And Hazrat Sahib taught that uh, jihad is a fundamental duty of every single Muslim. And uh, we need to turn to the Holy Prophet's definition of jihad, not to anyone else's. And the Holy Prophet said, as he returned from fighting, that Muslims were returning from uh, the minor jihad to the major jihad, from jihad asghar to jihad akbar And then he went on to define jihad akbar and he said that is jihad bin nafs. A struggle with your own self, your own inner desires. That is jihad akbar So we should remember that. So with that, let us go to the verse that uh, we're going to start looking at today. A'uzu billahi minash rajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim It's a very long verse. So what I'll do is I'll just recite the first phrase uh, and uh, the the part that has the words that we're going to discuss. And they follow what the devils what the devils fabricated against the kingdom of Solomon. So today we are going to look at what Tabau, Ma and Tatlu. So let us, let me now turn to my notes on the computer. So the first one is the Tabawu and that has three segments. First we have Wa which is a connecting word, a conjunction and then at the end Wa and uh, Hamza are pronouns and there's a word 
a verb in the middle and its uh, root is ta ba and ayn and in the holy quran we find nine words which are made from this root and we find them uh, in the holy quran 172 times <clears throat> 136 times as ittaba'a and uh, 15 times as attaba'a no that's wrong 15 times as attaba'a sorry i mispronounced mispronounced that attaba'a and nine times as tabi'a and if we look at the the meanings what we find is basically you can say it means to follow to walk in the footsteps of someone so it says tabi'ahu wattaba'ahu it means to follow in the footsteps of someone and it stands for many times it actually stands for obedience so and the example is in chapter 2 verse 38 the libran says faman tabi'a huda ya fala khawfun alayhim wala hum yahsanun now literally you can say those who follow me is god saying those who follow me but obviously we know that it means those who follow my guidance then there be no fear for them and no grief again in chapter 36 verses 20 and 21 it says qala ya qawm mittabiul mursalina mursalina ittabiu man la yas wala yas yas alukum ajra o people walk behind mursils messengers and they want nothing from you but they are walking on the right path so that means that you obey what the prophets and messengers of allah tell you to do you do that fama nittaba'a huda chapter 20 verse 123 the person who follows me it doesn't mean to say that uh, you know you are <clears throat> physically following allah or you are physically fo- following the holy prophet muhammad 
but the one who follows the guidance that is being given. Itabi Uma Unzila Ilaikum Min Miru Rabbiku, chapter 7, verse 3. O people, follow the book that has been revealed to you from your Lord, from your Rabb. So obviously here, it doesn't mean physically follow the book, but the guidance that's in the book. And, and we get this particularly in relation to things like, uh, you know, the highway code and uh, if you're trying to pass your driving test, you're given uh, uh, a book that you have to read to learn the rules of the road and so on. And if you do something wrong, your driving instructor would say, follow the book. And that means do what the book says. <clears throat> and then, of course, this verse that they follow what the devils did in another place, chapter 2, verse 168, it says, don't follow the devil. It means don't listen to him. Don't follow the guidance that he gives. And here's a, well, they're all important, all verses of the Holy Quran. But there's one that it's important to apply to ourselves. Chapter 38, verse 26. il havaya. And don't follow your desires because they take you away from God's path. So you can see that although it says follow doesn't necessarily mean that you literally follow. <clears throat> but uh, this, as far as Islam is concerned, you see, you can have, you have two types of religions. One is one recommends that you uh, you leave the world and you go and live in a jungle all on your own and uh, uh, you know you contemplate and uh, you know that way you wouldn't do anything wrong. Of course, you wouldn't do anything wrong. 
because you're living in jungle if something happens you don't need to lie to anyone or be dishonest with anyone or usurp anyone's rights because there's no one else there but that's not what islam is all about islam says you live in a society you live among people and then when you find that the truth is going to be harmful for you or your family you still speak the truth when you find that being honest might mean that you make a loss as far as money is concerned you're still honest then that is the whole point the man living living in the jungle there is no temptation who is he going to lie to who is he going to defraud no one but there are two sides of it there's the individual but the other side is that collectively muslims should establish a society a structure which is islamic and that does not mean to say that everyone is forced because the quran says like raha fiddi there is no compulsion in religion so there is no compulsion in you know you can't force a non muslim to become a muslim and you can't force a muslim to i don't know say prayers five times a day or whatever but in general the structure should be that people want to do it and that's the point that's the difference between atba and itaat they're both obedience but if it's itaat then what it means is that you're forced by law to do something you know like in england you know, it's right hand drive and the law says you will drive on this side of the road if you don't and you have an accident then you're in big trouble so you obey the law but itba has the significance that you do something because someone i allah has asked you to do it there's no compulsion on you no one is going to send you to jail if you don't do it but you do it because you love allah and allah has said you must do it so you follow those rules why because you love allah not because you're scared of being put in prison or being lashed or fined uh, etc etc 
So let's go to the next word, which is easy, ma. Well, uh, that just means what. It's a relative pronoun meaning what. Now there's not a lot more to say about that. And then the next word, tatlu. Its uh, root is ta, lam, va. And um, there are three words made from, from it. And in total, they occur in the Holy Quran 63 times. Uh, 61 times as tala, and once as tilavat, and once as <clears throat> taliyat, taliyat, and that means to read or recite. Read, recite, recitation, etc. So, let me turn the pages back to where the notes start. Okay. So, it means, literally it means to follow someone so closely that nothing can come between you and what you follow. So, and that's, can be done physically. And it can mean, it does mean, obeying the rules. And obeying the rules, I mean, kirat. Kirat means to recite. Recite the Holy Quran, but you can recite it parrot fashion. There's a parrot that recites parts of the Holy Quran beautifully, but it doesn't understand anything, and unfortunately, that is how we recite it. Now Let's look at the two things. This following can be physical. For example, in chapter 91, verse 2, the Holy Quran says, Well, Kamri Izatalaha by the moon, which follows the sun. So, sun is sort of in a way given greater dignity, greater status than the moon because moon is following it. And there's another reason. In chapter 10 verse 5, it says Jalashamsa they are Angval Pamara Nura. Now here for Shams, the sun, the word Diya is used. And for Kamar, the moon, the word Nur is used. 
and the significance is that they are is something's original light and it's very bright and uh, noor is not original light this is like reflected light and it's not as bright as sun's light as they are and we can see this in the sun and the moon you know in the, during the day the sun comes out and it's so bright and at night the moon comes out and it's not so bright so there actually has in it the the meaning of noor but noor doesn't have in it the significance of there and uh, <clears throat> you see quran also says in chapter so that 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 is an example of physically following something now the quran also says yatluna ayatillah and they recite they do the talawat of ayatillah god's revelation god's verses so <clears throat> sometimes this ittilawato it's referred to god's revealed books and their obedience to them following them and uh, so we have we can have uh, obedience in the sense of just reading but then also understanding the commands of uh, what you're reading and then putting it into practice but the lawat is reserved for the holy quran you don't say you know like i got your letter and i did it's the lawat it's restricted to the holy quran to so, uh, chapter 29 verse 50 yes chapter 29 verse 51 says avalam yakfihim anna anzalna alaykal kitaba yutla alayhim isn't it sufficient so people that we reveal the book to them which is read out to them or uh, you can see it can simply mean the reading as well for example chapter 8 verse 2 it says wa iza tulaita alayhim ayatuhu zadat hum imana and when its verses are recited to them their faith increases 
So that means when people hear these uh, verses and so on. So, but the Holy Prophet, you see, God says that, you know, he recites to you my messages, my ayat. But uh, it also says that he purifies you. And that purification is actually developing you spiritually. And what uh, the, the Lavat actually really stands for is that uh, the structure that God wants, the system that the God wants for humanity to live by, we actually try and put that into effect practically. If you think that, uh, you know, just reciting the Quran, you know, as we see in many places, boys are sitting there shaking back and forth and reciting the Holy Quran very loudly and they don't understand a word of it. And if you think, you know, that's it, job done, then you're deluding yourself. First, it's reading the Quran, then it's trying to understand the Holy Quran and then having understood it, then put it into practice in your lives. It should be best if there is an Islamic system in which everyone does that. And uh, you see, Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar and these people, they understood what was required. Hazrat Abu Bakr, in his first speech, he said that the strong are weak and the weak are strong. Why? Because, he said, I will not rest until I make sure that the weak can exercise the rights that God has given him, that are due to him, even if I have to take them from the powerful and give them to the weak. But this is not what we see happening in the so-called Islamic countries. A rich man grabs a poor person's property and no one listens to the poor person. If he goes to court, going to cost tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands, and the matter is going to drag on for years, which poor person has the resources to do that? Is he going to take time off work and lose money to attend court hearings? No. So he's just going to give up. So how can any society which operates in that way at the same time pretend that it's an Islamic society? It's a society consisting of people, a majority of whom say that they are Muslims. That is all. 
but that does not make it an Islamic society. The fundamental requirement of an Islamic society is that every single person in it is treated equally and they have their rights and they can go and demand those rights and they get justice. Not in years or months, but within weeks. With that, I take my leave of you with a prayer that uh, whoever you are and wherever you may be, may Allah keep the whole humanity safe and sound and free from harm. Assalamu alaikum, khuda hafiz and goodbye.